Christmas came early this year as Jalen Green makes his much-anticipated return to the Houston Rockets lineup after almost missing a month due to his hamstring injury. He had a really impressive game, but the Rockets unable to come away with the win as they delivered a lump of coal in the fourth quarter against the Indiana Pacers. But there's a lot to be thankful for. Roosh, you got a holiday jingle in store for us before we get this episode started? Ho, ho, ho. The Rockets took a fat L. Let's get into it. Coming up, we're going to break it all down for you right here at Locked On Rockets. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. With the second pick in the 2021 NBA Draft, the Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep getting better every day. I'm going to keep perfecting my craft. And every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin, as well as the show at Locked on Rockets. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is a new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions that you don't want, need, or can even negotiate better deals on those that you want to keep. We thank you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen of the day. Now, joining me to talk about Jalen Green's return to the Houston Rockets lineup, as well as the struggles that this Rockets team faced down the stretch of this Rockets-Pacers game is none other than one Roosh Williams, host of Rockets with Roosh on YouTube, as well as the Noble and Roosh show presented by Ball is Life, wherever you get your podcast. What's up, Roosh? How you doing this holiday season? I'm good, man. I'm excited. <clears throat> ready for Christmas Eve, ready for Christmas. Um, that's really all I can say. Well, hang on. For those of us, for those watching on YouTube, I got to trick out my little sweater. There we go with the oh, with the nice. flashing lights. Yeah, so I'm, I'm nice. going to turn that off because I don't want to give Roosh like a seizure or something. So I'm going to just, we're going to make it static. There we go. It's lit up now. But with that, I got to get into this Rockets Pacers game. Rockets unfortunately falling 118-106 to the Pacers, but we got a glimpse at Jalen Green back in the lineup. And honestly, Roosh, coming into this, I didn't have super lofty expectations for Jalen Green. I kind of figured, all right, he's been out for a month. He's going to be a little rusty when he comes back. And I didn't want to be, I didn't want to set myself up for disappointment, right? If he came back and had kind of a clunker of a game. So I was kind of like setting myself up to be ready for that. And he comes back in. Drops 20 points on 7 of 14 shooting, 6 of 9 from behind the three-point line. Nice. Uh, one rebound, two assists, two steals, and a block in just 25 minutes of run. He was electric. He was great. And it really seemed like everything that he was getting was just well within the flow of the offense. Like, wasn't forcing anything. Was just kind of letting everything come to him. And it was honestly, it was just great to be able to see him watch, you know, play basketball again, right? He's the number two overall pick. He's a big part of this Rockets rebuild moving forward. And it was nice to just see him on the floor again. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was great to see him on the floor again. And it was awesome to see him show flashes of why he was the number two pick, right? Um, obviously, he showed he could step in and be a microwave and just light it up immediately. You know, the three point shot was something he struggled with 
up until he was hurt pretty much up until that game. Um, and so to see him come back and just look natural with it in a variety of ways off the dribble, pulling up in transition, uh, doing that patented move. I don't even know what to call it, but when he goes to the right and then crosses back left and then steps back, same shot he hit over Anthony Davis. He hit that again uh, tonight, you know, hit it from the corner. I mean, would have made a 7-3, but he stepped out of bounds on that pass from Shangun. Just just filled it up in a variety of ways. He was plus 7, had 20 points on, I think, 7 of 12 from the field before coming back into the game in the fourth quarter. And those last five minutes he played, they were already down and, and they couldn't figure out Indiana's zone. So he really did all his damage in 20 minutes, which is pretty awesome to see. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I was thrilled with his performance. It was awesome to see him just come right back in, fit right back in, pick up exactly where he left off and then some. And now, I mean, the numbers are, are starting to get solidified when he's playing without Daniel Tice starting or with Daniel Tice coming off the bench. And the space is there. You're seeing a different version of Jalen Green than when that is not the case. Absolutely. And you already hit the nail on the head, you know, with, with you know, highlighting one play that I wanted to bring up and there was one more, but that pass from Alperin Shingun where he was in the middle of the floor and he, you know, immediately like rifled it out to Jalen Green in the corner. Unfortunately, Jalen was, you know, standing out of bounds, drilled what would have been his seventh triple. There was another play earlier in the game before that sequence where Jalen Green and Alperin Shingun were running a Pick little two-man game. What's up? Pick and roll. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yep. A little two-man game. Al, Al P slipped the screen and just rolls hard to the rim. Jalen Green lofted the ball right over the top of the defense. Al P gets it. Easy two at the rim. And it was great to kind of see little glimpses of how both of those guys are going to be able to play off of each other moving forward. The one thing that we we almost got this one too, which was uh, Jalen Green cutting and Alp tried to throw a little slick bounce pass to him and it wound up being, I think, like a kickball or something. Um, I was really hoping we'd get at least one really strong Jalen Green cut and an Alp feed for an easy two at the rim this game. I'm sure we'll see that sooner rather than later between those two, but it's great to see like a glimpse of what's going to be the future of this Rockets team and how those two guys are going to be able to play off of each other. Yeah, you saw all that. And then you also saw one play where Jalen Green uh, drove past, he blew past um, Chris Duarte, I think, on the wing. On the left side, ISO one-on-one, -on -one, boom, flew right past him to the bucket for to the basket for an easy bucket. Um, so, yeah, like I said, his, his full repertoire was on display, handles uh, some of his passing, which he's still a really underrated passer. He can make, you know, He's just a high IQ passer. He knows where, where guys are supposed to be. He's not going to make passes like like a point guard would make for the most part. But he knows how to how to create as a wing. So that pass that you saw from him to Shingun kind of illustrates that. And then the stroke, man. I mean, it, it was just really all on display. So it was awesome to see. Um, and it was nice to kind of get some of that. You know, we'll see how the numbers bear themselves out the more he continues to play with these new lineups. But. It's just nice to see that, you know, all those numbers that people want to throw out net rating with him and on and off and this and that just doesn't really seem to be true when the lineup is different so far. He, he also, I think, an underrated part of, of this game specifically, and it'll be nice to see if he can, you know, maintain this over a stretch of games. But it kind of felt like pre-injury, you know, he started to kind of get a little more adept on the defensive side of the ball, understanding, playing passing lanes, using his length, using his quickness at times to, to disrupt some things. And he did a good job of that in this one, had a couple steals, had a block especially early on, I think in his first little like 12, 14 minute stretch in the first half, he was doing a really good job of being, you know, 
really active defensively, recovering, contesting shots, just trying to be involved on that side. He had a few mistakes, a few lapses later in the game that he was very visibly frustrated with himself for, but that's an area of his game that he's going to have to, you know, continue to grow and improve. But uh, there was a moment uh, post game where Jalen Green was talking about uh, the minutes restriction that he was on and, and he shared his frustration because look, this is a guy that just wants to hoop and it was kind of hilarious. So we've got to run it back, right? Oh, well, I wanted to run it back, but the clip did not want to load. So I'm not actually going to be able well, to. Well, I was back. just going to say that, you know, yeah, he had some of those plays that was nice. He also, like you said, had some lapses. There was a couple of times where he got mixed up in coverage. His man got free either for a slash to the bucket or for a three in the corner. Um, but I think that was more so a symptom of the Rockets just playing bad defense overall. Uh, their their pick and roll defense was awful. Christian Wood got mixed up on defense multiple times and and kind of forced wings to rotate over for him. So I'm not really worried about that quite yet. I mean, you got to piece the game together step by step. Jalen Green's been advertised as an offensive, you know, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, an offensive guy, right? So I want to see those parts of his game come together first. The defense will come over time. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And uh, I actually do have the clip teed up, but I'm going to get to that in just a moment after a quick message from our friends over at Truebill. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your hard earned money. Download Truebill to finally take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. Look, I know that's happened to me before, right? On average, people save up to $720 per year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions so hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap, one click, one press. It is that easy. Don't fall for any more subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill dot com slash locked on NBA. Go right now. That's truebill.com slash locked on NBA. It could save you thousands a year. That's truebill.com slash locked on NBA. And another message from our friends over at Built Bar. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar. That's Built Bar. Filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat and yet it's still high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. So many amazing flavors that you'll be able to choose from. Raspberry, mint chocolate brownie, double chocolate, cookies and cream, peanut butter brownie, my personal favorite, coconut brownie chunk. You can't go wrong with a single flavor on their menu. Built Bar gives you that extra fuel that you need to bust down those mall doors and battle all the holiday shoppers. Or if you're just standing in endless shopping lines, Built Bar can give you that extra something to keep you going. So this holiday season, check out Built Bar. Visit Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off everything site-wide at Built Bar. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As promised, here is the clip of Jalen Green uh, and his reaction to being told by Steven Siles that he was getting pulled from the game once his minutes restriction uh, timer was up. Uh, it was sick. You should have seen how it was in the, in the game. Um, we was down. You came, got a timeout or something like that because like your minutes are up. I said, damn. <laughs> Had like four minutes left. I was like, yeah, but um, that's all part of the plan. Um, trying to make sure I'm 110%. So. Now, Jalen in his post game presser did also credit John Lucas with 
the work that he'd been doing with the rehab as well as his shot mechanics. And I think that was something that was kind of on display in this game was his shot looked a little bit quicker. Like the release looked a little bit more fluid than, than it had previously. And that's something that they were marked on during the broadcast. Ryan Hollins, you know, mentioned it a couple times that he, you know, talk to coach Lucas about what they've been working on with Jalen green and specifically that shot, shot mechanics were something that they've tried to get into a rhythm for him where he's, you know, one, two shot, one, two shot. So that's, it, it's just a fluid, quick motion. And I think in this one, we really saw, we really saw that on display for him. Yeah. I mean, you could see that like the first two just kissed the net, right? It was nothing but net. And it was really surprising for me. Cause I was kind of expecting him to miss them. Um, and, and it just seemed like he made some minor adjustment. The form mostly looked the same, maybe a little bit quicker. Like you said, like they mentioned on the broadcast, but it just looked natural, right? It looked like summer league Jalen. Um, that was kind of the biggest thing to me where anything he, he shot was on target, probably going in, you know, earlier prior to his injury, there were a lot of times where he'd get the release and it would look good. And then it would clank long and hit the back of the iron. Um, or maybe like clank and kind of hit like the side to the back of the iron. These are on target. So hopefully that's an adjustment that is permanent moving forward. I guess we're going to find out the more that we see him play, but it was really encouraging. So what wasn't so encouraging, unfortunately, was the fourth quarter by this Rockets team. Now, it's worth at least noting that they were absolutely on fire in the third quarter. I, I mean, they shot 12 of 19. 63% from the floor, six of nine from, from distance. Uh, another nice two nices in one podcast. Incredible. Um, and posted 36 points. They took control of this game in the third quarter. They had a, what was it? Uh, a 94 91 lead going into the final frame, but it was that top of the fourth quarter Pacers opened on a 10 to two run. And it was sparked by their decision to basically completely shift gears defensively and go into this zone and, and completely flummox the Rockets offense. And Roosh, I don't know what, what would you have liked to see them do differently in that fourth quarter to try and beat the Pacers zone? Well, I think the Pacers intentionally used that zone at that time against that specific lineup, obviously, because they were daring guys to shoot. It was Shingun, Josh, Was I just muted the whole time I said that? Uh, I we had you for part of it, but you got to you, you you cut out right as you said Shingun. So go ahead. That's interesting. It, it did that on its own. That's very very odd. Um, so Shingun, Josh Christopher, KJ Martin, and I forget who the other two were at the time. DJ Augustine and then somebody else. And so maybe Armani Brooks. I, I can't remember. So they were daring the Rockets to shoot, which is what a zone is designed to do, designed to do. You fill that space. You're going to crowd the paint, um, and then allow kickouts and basically either scramble over and shift over, or you're just going to give up the shot because you're kind of running that specific scheme because, you know, you don't think that they can shoot and it worked. I mean, it's the Rockets scored five points through the first, I think nine to 10 minutes of the, of the fourth quarter. Um, you know, one thing I noticed is, is with this new lineup. So Jalen green started not Armani Brooks. Um, I guess maybe not even with this new lineup, but just something to note is the Rockets don't really have size off the bench at the wing. They've got KJ Martin, who's not really a wing. Armani Brooks, who's, you know, 6'3", 6'2", not, not, doesn't have size at the wing. DJ Augustine, who's my height and is a point guard. Um, Josh Christopher has decent size, but, you know, 6'4", strong physically, but 
more of like a combo guard than like a traditional wing, but I guess when you, you can count when you him. Think, when you say size, do you consider like, are you, are you saying like size, like, like physical, like somebody who, who's a bit bigger just, or just like, like, size a classic, like length, length and you know, physical size, six, 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 seven. Like basically I'm saying that they could have maybe used a Nuaba. Nuaba doesn't bust the zone. Nuaba actually plays right into the zone, but just defensively, they didn't seem to have guys that could kind of stick uh, with Indiana. And they didn't have any answer for Miles Turner. Miles Turner was sweeping it up back there, um, and the Rockets couldn't couldn't shoot. And when they'd get in, they couldn't get past Miles Turner. I do think they got kind of screwed, to be quite honest with you. I think the whistle on Shangun was poor. I think the officials were poor. I don't want to pin a game on the officials. I mean, I don't mind, <laughs> you know, the officials, but uh, I thought they were poor. And you know, Shangun got things going a, a lot of times and wouldn't get the call. And then on the other end of the floor wouldn't get the benefit of the call or would get a call on him. Um, we saw Josh Christopher's, I think, first bad game in a while. Um, KJ Martin didn't do anything either. Zero points, I think 0 of 3 from the field. DJ Augustine also was kind of poor. He was over dribbling a lot. Um, he had some really uncharacteristic turnovers where he just kind of threw it into traffic. He didn't shoot well. I think he was 1 of 5 from 3. And, you know, when he's cutting or when he when he gets the dribble down the middle, he's my size. Right. So, like, he's not looking to go up. Uh, so there were times where he had the drive. They were kind of shading and giving him the drive, daring him to 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 go up against a contested shot. And he wouldn't do it. He would over dribble, pull it back out, kind of like Steve Nash used to do without the efficacy that Steve Nash used to have. So it was just bad offense all around. Um, I would have liked to see some type of lineup change. Jalen Green back in there, Garrison Matthews back in there, just some type of shooting. Um, but, you know, the the Rockets were just kind of shorthanded. Uh, they played Alperin Shangun longer, I think, than usual. I don't know what he ended up with minutes-wise. Was it like 23? 20. 20. So they played him longer for that stretch of the fourth quarter. I don't, I don't know how that's happening, honestly. But... And then they brought Christian Wood in. And by the time they brought Christian Wood back in, he was just kind of out of rhythm and cold. Took, I think, two, definitely two in a row, maybe three in a row ISO plays that ended up in nothing. Just like kind of, you know, clanked it off the backboard. Might have gotten fouled a couple times and just didn't get the call. Shout out to him shooting nine of 11 from the free throw line, by the way. That was really nice to see. Um, but yeah, just a, just bad basketball. Rockets kind of ran out of juice, didn't have... Shooters didn't have anyone to put pressure on the defense, and if they did, they got swallowed up by Miles Turner. So you just got to tip your hat uh, to Indiana and and uh, Karis LeVert as well. <laughs> so, yeah, you talked about the – the. I mean, obviously the Rockets' defense, you know, definitely struggled to contain uh, Miles Turner on the pick and roll. He was, you know, almost unstoppable, 14 of 18 shooting overall, and a majority of those being paint touches for him on his way to 32 points as well as 10 boards. And then Karis LeVert, in the absence of Brogdon and in the absence of Sabonis, he was basically their only like playmaker. Although I will say Jeremy Lamb off the bench did a pretty decent job, 16 points, five, five assists off the bench for Indiana. But then every time LeVert did something positive for them, I kept like thinking like, damn it. Damn it, damn it. Just because I I, I know that somebody's gonna like decide to come back and use this as like a referendum on like the James Harden deal and Karis Levert and the fact that the Rockets should have traded for him. And he had a solid game, 24 points, 11 assists, eight of 18 shooting overall. I mean, he did a good job. He was facilitating, he was creating for the team. But at the same time, I would have really enjoyed seeing Karis Levert have a poor game so that I could then flash those stats on Twitter for clout. 
Yeah, it would have been fun to kind of clown on that. He had a good game. Credit to him. Um, it doesn't move the needle at all for me in terms of thinking, oh, we should have traded for him. That never crosses my mind, even when he has good games. Um, you know, the Rockets just played really bad defense. I mean, awful, awful defense. Their pick and roll defense, like you said, was terrible. Christian Wood was all mixed up and out of sorts multiple times. They just communication-wise, you could tell. The Rockets do a poor job of understanding when when pressure is put on their defense. They do a really poor job of understanding how to help and where the open guy is. So a lot of times, it doesn't matter who it is. It could be you know Jeremy Lamb getting into the teeth of, teeth of the defense. You're going to see multiple Rockets collapse and then leave shooters open instead of kind of shading over, hedging over with the anticipation to get back as soon as Jeremy Lamb puts two hands on the ball to get rid of it. <clears throat> You just kind of see Rockets ball watching, and they give up a lot of open threes on the pick and rolls. They, they don't communicate in terms of who's supposed to jump and tag where. Um, a lot of times, man, when when you don't have a lethal guy running the pick and roll, and I don't consider Karis, Karis LeVert to be lethal. NBA Twitter like, considers him to be lethal, though. I'm talking like a LeBron James or, you know, I don't know. My mind's kind of blank right now. But just like guys that, you know, have the elite ability to put pressure if you switch incorrectly or if you're a half second late, guys that can take advantage of that and make you pay for it. Uh, the Rockets do a poor job of identifying when they do and do not have someone like that on the other side of the ball. Because what happens in a screen and roll is the Rockets immediately will switch um, and then they'll get a smaller guy on a big or they'll um, both get caught up on the guy with the ball at the top and then jump it and then the roll man's wide open. What you need to do in those situations when there's not an elite person handling the rock in that pick and roll game <clears throat> is the help man flashes and then immediately gets back and scrambles back to his guy while his initial defender recovers. That, that's how you're supposed to do it. And they don't do any of that. So just really, really bad defense. If they if they were able to play respectable defense, they probably pulled away in the third quarter um, instead of only go up three or three, four or five. Uh, and then hopefully would have had enough of a cushion to kind of thwart Indiana's zone defense scheme to, to basically win the game for them. But But that was not the case. Coming up, final thoughts on this Rockets-Pacers game after a quick message from our friends over at betonline.ag. BetOnline has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the college bowl season and pro football playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head over to their website and sign up today using promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that's promo code Locked On for a 50% bonus on your very first deposit from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, even your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available. Bet online, where the game starts. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. We thank you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen of the day. For your second listen, go check out Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms just like this show. Now, Roosh, you bring up a really good point about the Rockets defense, and I think for for both of us, I think this this team is starting to kind of play like the vision that, I, that at least I know I had, and I don't know about you, you know, coming into the season where we thought they were going to be a really kind of potent, fun, high tempo, you know, you know, high pace offensive team, 
And then they were going to struggle a lot on the defensive side of the ball. That's kind of what I thought was going to happen with them this season. And originally they came in with the double big lineup and they were like middle of the pack defensively and then bottom of the league offensively. And they're kind of turning that page a little bit since benching Daniel Tice, or I guess, you know, moving away from the single big lineup, not necessarily putting that, you know, all that onus on Daniel Tice. But do you think the symptom of the Rockets defense right now, past it just being a bunch of young guys, do you see it as more an issue schematically with how they play defense as a team? Or do you think it's an issue with an in, you know, on an individual basis, they don't have enough individually good one-on-one like individual defenders? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, schematically, I wouldn't say like in terms of the, what the coaching staff is doing. I don't think there's an issue there. I just think the execution is poor. Uh, you can just tell that like that they're trying to do something that they've memorized instead of reading who they're playing against. You know, there's a lot of times that you can. When you get a screen and roll and you're waiting for the switch and you're an NBA player, most guys aren't going to pull in, in the time it takes for the switch to happen and then the switch back to happen. Most guys are not going to pull the trigger on the three point shot. So you have to live with that. If, you, if you're dealing with someone that will pull the trigger on the three-point shot, okay, cool. Make them make one. Make them make two. Make them make three um, before you start jumping. Because once you start jumping and you leave that roll man wide open and it's an athletic roll man like Miles Turner, you're giving up easy buckets that are pretty much – that just demoralize a defense. Um, in addition to that, there were times where – multiple times in the fourth quarter where I think it was jo- – I think it was during that run that put Indiana up top. Josh Christopher, maybe KJ Martin, maybe Armani Brooks. They were like, I'm talking all three, not just one of them. They were all overplaying on Karis LeVert. You know, they they were guarding him beyond the three-point line like he was going to shoot from 25 feet. Um, And he was just getting past them. And then they were getting, he'd either get a bucket or they'd get the foul call. And the Rockets foul a lot. I, I really can't tell how much of that is just bad officiating and how much of it, bad officiating in the sense that they're not calling it both ways. Um, or how much of it is just the Rockets playing poor, undisciplined defense. Uh, we've already talked about Shangun getting an absolutely awful whistle. So I do think when their bench unit is in, they get really poor calls as well, especially from their backline cleanup defense. But but yeah, they, they just don't switch correctly. They don't identify the main threat, which is the role man. You know, you always want to let, you always want to make the other team shoot over you, especially with like 33% three-point shooters, guys like Karis LeVert. Jeremy Lamb, you know, like if they're going to make their threes that are in traffic off the dribble, you know, while the defense is switching, then so be it. Um, but what you don't want to do is have two guys jump up top and then just give a roll man an easy dunk. That, that's definitely what you don't want to do. So they have decent individual defenders, but like that that's part of what I was getting at when I was talking about the wings, right? They don't have wing defenders. KJ Martin doesn't really have the foot speed to be a wing defender. He's going to rely on his ability to recover and bounce, which his bounce is elite. Um, Josh Christopher has good defensive ability and physical traits. He still overplays some so far. Sometimes he plays good defense. Sometimes he overplays. He's also getting a poor whistle. Sometimes he makes a good play on the ball and just gets called, called for a foul. His point of attack defense hasn't been that great. That's, that's one knock on Josh Christopher that Mm -hmm. I do have is like, you know, he, he like it kind of like what you're getting to with like the overplaying a little bit is sometimes he's too far out there on the, and he just gets beat off the dribble. Like so easily, like a guy will get right past him and if he backs up and kind of squares up a little bit more, doesn't give up that driving lane, then I feel like he'd be a little bit more successful at times on that end. Yeah, because he's overplaying. They're they're playing like they're they're playing defense like a college coach at a like a mid-major school would make you play. You know, you just play hard-nosed defense, pick up your guy when he gets the ball, where he gets the ball, that kind of crap. Instead of just realizing, like, hey, he's not going to shoot a 25-footer, so back up a little bit. 
uh, because otherwise you're you're pressing up. And the NBA is such a ticky tack touch touch league, which by the way is a huge pet peeve, man. Some of the calls they make are just like it's just embarrassing. It's it's like what are we doing? You're you're killing the game. That was a touch foul. Dude, when Alp when Alp smacked uh, Miles oh Turner's God. hand away from him in the post, and they whistled him for a foul, I about lot like I mean I, we've obviously like remarked on it a couple times this episode, but like Alp gets one of the worst whistles. Like it's so frustrating. Well, that call specifically makes me think that there might be some type of agenda out on him. That play, NBA players do that every single night. Watch DJ Augustine drive. He slaps the hand every time he drives. Everyone does that. It's it's classic basketball. The fact that they would call an offensive foul on that and when it didn't even affect the game just made me think like, are you, I mean, you must be trying to send a message with how you're refereeing this kid. There's got to be something there because that's not, that never gets called. Also late in the fourth, Eric Gordon got called for two touch fouls beyond the three-point line on the side sideline, you know, probably 25, 27 feet from the basket. And it's just like, what are, what the hell are we doing here? That's not NBA basketball. So, but anyway, so uh, Armani Brooks, you know, not not the quickest. He a lot of times he'll get beaten and he'll reach at the end and get called for a foul. Pretty much when Eric Gordon's not in the game and Jay Sean Tate are not in the game, the Rockets don't have um, the type of perimeter defenders that you'd be hoping for. And when they do have those guys in the game, a lot of time they get switched to a post player and they're guarding a big. Uh, you know, you, you'll get Eric Gordon or Jay Sean Tate guarding a big in the post. And so their their perimeter point of point of attack defenders just aren't very good, you know. So it it's a mix of not having the individual defenders and then also not executing the scheme and just playing low IQ defense, right? Like there's never a need to pick anyone up that far from the basket unless it's Steph Curry or you know someone that's killing you from three, bona fide, and you need to. You always want to make the shooter prove they can shoot um, and not overplay because once you overplay, like I said in the NBA. You're just, it's like Pat, it's class, it's a, it's Pat Beverly syndrome, <laughs> you know, like Pat Bev's going to pick you up at half court and he's probably going to foul you because he's playing hard nosed defense, right? It's just stupid. doesn't make sense. So they're young. Hopefully they'll get over it, but um, they kind of put themselves in a hole. And then, it, like I said, it just also seems like they get no love from the officials when the game matters. And so all of that combined just kind of, Kind of results in some matador defense, unfortunately. I mean, dude, they were they were rolling 94 points through three quarters. That's basically 31.3 points per quarter. They were rolling. They, they were on pace to really, you know, put up whatever, 120 plus. Um, but then they just ran into a wall with that zone defense. Um, and they were not able to play defense of their own. Credit, yeah, credit to the Pacers for for throwing that out and for making it work because it's it's you know, executing a zone to to the degree that they did is not necessarily like an easy thing, right? Sometimes in the NBA, you'll see zone for a possession or two or right after, you know, a timeout just to blow up like, a, you know, the ATO set or something like that. But to run it for an extended period like the, like the Pacers did and for it to continually work, you know, they, they did a good job. They weren't able to, Rockets weren't able to get the ball in the middle of the floor to collapse the zone. They weren't able to get shooters in to bust the zones. That, that way it just, it completely collapsed offensively and you know it's un unfortunate to see Pacers had 62 paint points too so they were getting everything they wanted uh you hit the nail on the head the Rockets played well enough offensively to win this game and they absolutely lost it on the defensive end um with that covering this game from multiple different angles I will say I want to give a shout out though to Jay Sean Tate who had 
a really rough outing uh, in the game prior to this one against the Milwaukee Bucks, dealing with a lot of foul trouble, could never get a rhythm, was like two of 10 shooting, finished with four points, five fouls, like a really rough overall night for him. He had a really strong bounce back game, I felt like, in this one. 18 points, six of 10 shooting, four boards, had an assist. You know, just a, a solid overall night where he kind of, you know, just did his his Jay Sean Tate thing, right? I mean, just, you know, kind of got buckets, uh, got to the foul line a lot. Uh, it was it was nice to see him have a decent bounce back game uh, after the struggles against the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, he's he's a steadying force on this team. I mean, I love his game. I just wish he could hit a three ball better. And his free throws have been frustrating lately. It seems like too many times he's going up there and splitting a pair or missing like the and one free throw. He was five of eight tonight. I think he's prior to this game he was shooting like 70, 71 percent on the season. If he was able to get that up to 75 to 80, that'd be really helpful. But steadying force on the team and, and you're starting to kind of see who's reliable on this team you know eric gordon jay sean tate um we know what shangun brings on a nightly basis we generally know what christian wood's going to bring on a nightly basis and then if you start sprinkling in jalen green if this becomes a consistent type of performance where he can achieve this efficiency and the three-point shot is going to be hitting at this rate and then you add kpj to the mix if we can reconfigure gary bird's role and kind of get him rolling again um, I think he will benefit from Kevin Porter Jr. being out there because I think the ball movement type offense is making it easier for teams to, to face guard him and play him closer. And he's struggled to break down uh, defenders off the dribble when they close out. Um, you know, but yeah, Jay Sean Tate is a steadying force. Eric Gordon's a steadying force. If they can get steadying contributions from some of their other bigger names like Jalen Green and KPJ, um, and then kind of figure out where some of these role players will eventually land within the scheme, then hopefully we can get back to winning some games. It's kind of unfortunate because the Bucks, you know, I guess they still had Middleton and they still had Drew and DeMarcus Cousins had the game of his season. He had a great game tonight too. I think he had like 22, something like eight and four or something like that. Um, so maybe they're just playing better. Um, anyways, but, but playing, oh, and Wes Matthews went off as well. But losing that game to the Bucks and then losing this game to the Pacers, kind of like their backups with their main guys out, which may maybe isn't fair. I guess the Pacers have Brogdon and Sabonis out, although maybe that was to their advantage because it, it let Miles Turner run freely at the five and, and wreak havoc. Um, it's just kind of disappointing because I would have expected the Rockets to at least stay a little bit closer. Uh, they got blown out by the Bucks for most of the game, and then you know they they didn't compete at the end of this game. So that's the disappointing side for me. But offensively, things are rolling. Al P is just coming in. Even when he's not playing well, he's still filling up the box score in the stat sheet. And like you said, we got a glimpse of Jalen and Al P and what it kind of kind of could look like in the future. So you just got to keep building game by game. That one, I, I, we're going to finish on this note. That one, uh, Al P. Well, before we get to our, our final little uh, holiday festive segment, but <laughs> uh, that one dime from Al P. Where he was caught in no man's land in the paint, and then you know had to make a split second decision to jump in the air and led DJ Augustine with the pass towards the bucket. It, it's it was that was our nightly like how does this man do this type pass from Alperin Shingun. Um, he also had a behind the back bounce pass, I think, to KJ, but KJ smoked it. Yeah, KJ didn't convert it. I was gonna say that probably would have taken the cake for the 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 nightly Alper and Shingun, like what the hell pass. Um, but but KJ didn't convert that one. So I'll also uh, say something something to watch with him. And I noticed this, like I really noticed this in person. I, I sat pretty close and I was able to see like him and how he his mannerisms in the game. He calls Hollywood for the Rish. ball nonstop. Nonstop. So he'll pass it, he'll go right back to his spot hand up, yelling, call for the ball. 
He's always calling for the ball at the top of that of the post in that middle area. And I suspect that it might be difficult for other players to get used to that. Sometimes you see guys kind of wave it off or just ignore it and go and, you know, dribble around him and then just ISO on the wing, like Josh Christopher, the younger guys, really. Um, and sometimes you just see how it like they're not used to what he's looking for when he gets the ball. They're just he just wants cut, cut, cut. If it's not there, circle back around, cut again. And guys that play with the ball in their hands off the dribble are getting used to that and still aren't used to that. So I think that's one of the aspects of of why he might have less playing time and why they're still viewing him as someone to integrate into the team because he demands and commands so much attention with the ball that it's not it's something that's just unnatural and unusual for the other guys that are used to playing on the ball. And so they're still working through those things. That's just something I, I've been thinking about lately that I kind of wanted to throw out there. If you, if, you pay, if, you, if you pay attention, you'll see him go out there and just call for the ball. Even if he gets it, has nothing, gives it up, he'll go right back to that spot and call for the ball immediately. That's a no, so. that's a great point. That's a great point you bring up. I, I I've seen it before where he, you know, he's constantly looking for the, you know, to get that seal in the post or to to get to to one of his spots. And at times, and I, you notice it a little bit more when Wood is out there along with him when they're running the the double big lineup for the brief stretches where they do that it does kind of clog things up a little bit where, you know, both of them are out there trying to get to, you know, their spot, right? One of them's maybe trying to set a screen, but then Al P's like also trying to get to his spot on the low block or something. And it kind of overloads one side. And so I think that's something they've got to definitely work on as his teammates get used to playing with him, as he gets used to, maybe he's not, you know, maybe he needs to not be calling for the ball as much constantly looking to get a post opportunity or get it in one of, you know, his spots, quote unquote, but um, they also need to do a better job of if they do face a zone, which I, I anticipated something they're going to start facing more often now that teams are seeing it, that it's successful, is they need to designate and identify who their who their zone buster is in the middle. It's going to be Jay Sean Tate, it's going to be Alperin Shingun, and it's going to be Christian Wood. Those are the three guys capable of getting the ball in that spot and then either making a move to the basket and scoring or finding someone cutting or making a move and then finding someone cutting. And that was another reason that another thing that sunk them tonight is they were not able to bust that zone and and identify how to bust that zone. So definitely. Um, all right. Now, before we started recording this podcast, I asked Roosh for his all time three favorite Christmas movies. He gave me a list. Home Alone one, Home Alone two and Jingle all the way. So Roosh, I'm going to ask you start bench cut. Home Alone 1, Home Alone 2, Jingle All the Way. Go. Okay, well, I'm cutting Jingle All the Way. Um, Home Alone 1 and 2 might be the – well, they are two of the best movies ever. Christmas movie – Christmas categorization aside, those are just absolutely incredible films. The way they were written, the way it all pieces together, the idea itself, the acting, the execution, the aesthetic, the whole thing. It's, it's incredible. Um which one I start or bench is difficult though. Uh, Home Alone one is like, you know, it's like the Rockets 94. It's like the Rockets 94 title. You know, it's like it's Home Alone one. I mean, how can you ever argue with that forever? Legendary. Um, Home Alone two might be their 95 title though. Like Home Alone. I mean, I'm, I was actually watching it before we started recording this. Um, <laughs> Home Alone two is classic. Like they, they weave in the hotel which is Rob Schneider is hilarious. Tim Curry is hilarious in, in the hotel scenes. Um, and just kind of how they, I'll say this as well. Home Alone 2 is possibly one of the best sequels ever. Maybe the best sequel ever. Possibly. Whoa, 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 whoa. Terminator 2. 
Lord of the Rings 2 is also incredible. That's another um, good one. All right. American Pie 2 is also incredible. Let's not get that perfect. <laughs> this is such a rabbit hole. But um, I mean, we we could, you know. But but yeah, so I'm gonna, you know, I'll start or bench either one of Home Alone one or two. It really on, on any given day, it doesn't matter. When Christmas time hits, I'll watch those movies year round. But when Christmas time hits, I don't want to watch anything but those movies. So I love it. All right. Well, with that, Roosh, uh, drop a line for the listeners. Let them know where they where they can track you down at. Yeah, Twitter R O O S H Williams. It's it's in the little banner. Just type that in and click follow. Um, YouTube Rockets with Roosh podcast. You know, anywhere you get your podcast, type Noble and Roosh. We actually interviewed Miles Turner, oddly enough, um, recently, I guess. But yeah, that's where you can find me, man. Find me, hit me up, follow me, whatever you want. Or As always, Roosh, a pleasure to be able to talk Rockets Hoops with you. Merry Christmas Eve to you, my guy, and I hope you have a great Christmas with your family. Hey, likewise, man, you too. Um, go Rockets. Go Rockets indeed. With that, that's going to be the end of our episode. Shout out, happy holidays to you and your family. Merry Christmas if you celebrate Christmas, all that good jazz. Um, I've left the light on on my sweater this entire episode. That's super awesome. With that, that is going to do it. Do me a favor, drop your favorite Christmas movie in the comments on the YouTube section, right? If you're not following us on YouTube, subscribe, like, comment, all that good stuff. Check out the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, the brand new Odyssey app, free and available on all platforms. But for today's episode, that's going to do it. As always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.